0: Song, oh, I love it. I think it's good. It makes me feel good. Yeah, and I'm Sammy Hardon. I'm Jay Jovi, and this is the
1: '80s montage. And tonight I'm on JD and Coke.
0: <laughs> I'm laying off today because I had really? my birthday celebrations sort of spilled over a little bit, you know, in, in from from our birthday oh. episode last week. I got a bit excited and. Um, you know, in, in sympathy to Matty, sort of being holed up for, for his big big um big birthday. I, I overdid it, Sammy. I overdid it. Did you? Yes. So I'm just um I I'm just drinking did. vodka tonight. I just
1: Oh, oh just vodka. Yeah, just
0: vodka. Just white. Oh my spirits. god, that's so Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Vodka, vodka. Now, this that's is cool. part two of our live aid special. Yeah, and everyone loved part one. Did you like live one out there? It was a long episode, but look, as we mentioned, it this was bang in the middle of the 80s. Live Aid was bang in the middle of the 80s, and it was a huge, huge turning point, enormous turning point for the world because it was the beginning of, I guess, globalisation. It became real for everybody, and... It was when uh, charity started becoming trendy. Yep. You know, and, it w- and, it and music, music changed the world. Music sort of changed the world. People could see how you could um, basically use rock and pop music to actually make a difference in the world.
1: Absolutely. So today we're going to start talking about We Are The World. Now, good song.
0: Yeah, great song.
1: I actually looked at a doco today on this song. Yeah, right. Very funny shit happened. And I was sort of looking at it going some incredible singers and I started thinking why didn't they ask Madonna? Because she wasn't a singer compared to these pricks.
0: Yeah. These people could It's interesting. Could sing. It's interesting. Uh, it's, uh, look, Madonna, I don't know about that. There, you know there are there are a lot of a lot of weird things happened with the uh, with the American production of this. And, I mean, to put it into context with what we've talked about already in Episode 1 of Live Aid, um, this was basically a response to Band-Aid and Do They Hmm. Know It's Christmas. So in March, I think in March 85, We Are The World was written. Um, and it was no,
1: January twenty eighth. It came out. That well, was that's a long when time it came before. Out,
0: but it was. um yep. it, it was uh, written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. Now, um, it was also produced by Quincy Jones, which was a huge element. Now, everybody kind of. Everybody kind of credits those guys with being the, you know, you think of We Are The World, you think of MJ, you think of Lionel Richie, and you think of Quincy Jones. But it was actually yeah. Harry Belafonte that got the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Harry Bel- Belafonte, you would never, you know, unless you had sort of uh, looked into this further, um, you would not sort of credit him with with getting the ball rolling. And, I mean, his, his reaction to this was... Um, in, in basically in response to Band-Aid and Do They Know It's Christmas. And, and he basically thought, God, we've got to do something. We've got to do something on our side of the, of the Atlantic to help this situation with the, all the starving Ethiopians. And um, he started getting the ball rolling. I think I think he spoke to Quincy first. Um, and it was Quincy that sort of pulled MJ and Lionel Richie into it. And, but, you know, Quincy Jones was sort of the producer of the moment at that time. And so a lot of the people that came on board for this project were as a result of uh, Quincy Jones and his connections.
1: Yeah. Um, Bob Geldof was responsible to some degree, though, because he was invited to the recording and he did do a speech in front of everyone that was performing in, on the single and said that this was his idea with Band-Aid to give to the world and help feed the world. Um, and he said an incredible speech in front of all of these guys who really didn't know who he was.
0: No, that's true. They were
1: like, oh, who, who is this guy? And, and he gave a speech and he said that this, the price of a life this year – is a piece of plastic with a hole in it, hole in the middle, seven inches thick. So he made people, got people in the mood. Yeah. And Harry Bolifunto was there. Yeah. And he probably did have some, but they don't mention him much though. It's interesting. Yeah,
0: but it's not like, yeah, I don't think it was a matter of Bob Geldof going there and, and getting the ball rolling in the US. It was actually... Harry Belafonte that that sort of started the ball rolling, and then they reached out to um, Bob Geldof, and he sort of he sort of then got behind that movement. You know what I mean? It wasn't sort of Bob that was recruiting anybody in the US. It was it was a response to to basically Band Aid. You know?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well Quincy Jones did say this is the guy responsible for it and then introduced him and he didn't want to talk to anyone no. cuz he'd just been to Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah. And they said he'd just been to Ethiopia we're going to let him talk to you. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um it was super cool about the, the artists that were in this sh- in this on this song single though were fucking incredible singers. Yeah. Not one of them except for Latoya, right? Mhm. Latoya was there because of her brother. She was the only weak link in this
0: whole thing. You know what? Well, all the Jacksons were there actually. Like like all the brothers yeah. were there, you know. Um that they legend has it that even though Lionel and MJ were credited as, as writers, that MJ basically did 80-90% of the writing job. Uh yeah. because MJ and Lionel were, or Lionel, as they the industry over there uh, pronounces it, Lionel Richie. They actually they they made some plans to meet and have a writing session, and it was like next week or something. We'll meet next week and we'll work on it to write. MJ that night started writing it, and in the morning he had it written. <laughs> Apparently, that's yeah. what legend. And I origin I first heard that from. Uh, from reading Latoya's biography and I thought I and, and she was still on speaking terms with Michael when she released that biography and I thought oh yeah she's just she's just you know she's just ah uh, it was my brother he wrote it you, you know what I mean she was just sort of sucking yeah. up his ass but I've, I've actually since heard it from many sources that it, uh, Michael couldn't wait he couldn't wait it was a job to be done. He had an amazing work ethic and he just jumped in and, and wrote it. Uh, Lionel, you know, did change lyrics here and there um, and write certain I've lines. never
1: heard anyone say Lionel.
0: That's uh, how Michael Jackson pronoun- pronounces it.
1: I just Michael? Huh? Because I've just been watching the 1984 Music Awards, the American Music Awards. Yeah. And he was presenting it, Lionel Richie. Yeah. I have not heard Lionel ever.
0: That's how Michael Jackson used to pronounce it. Lionel. Yeah, Lionel. Lionel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Lionel. And it, a freak show. Yeah. So um, it was recorded in January directly after the AMA Awards. That's right. So they sort of, they basically got everybody while they had a night off because they were going to be at these awards you know, everybody would have made themselves available for the awards, the recording was happening directly after the awards. So they really had no excuse, uh, you know, not to turn up. Um, and, and, you know, a few people got there late, a few people got there early. Uh, Michael had recorded a lot of his parts previously and he had recorded, him, h- him and uh, Lionel Richie had recorded their parts beforehand as a guide track for everybody else.
1: The, the, actually they recorded it before that show, the American Music Awards. Yes,
0: that's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So he didn't he actually went via the American Music Awards and then went into the studio.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which was the AM studios. And the AM studios in the States, they turned it into they had all the banners up for We Are the World. They'd made all this stage space and turned the studio into something that looked great on a video clip. Mm. Um and they also had um, wind cheaters made up with USA for Africa. So if you remember in the video, only some of them have them on. Yeah. Which I thought was really cute yeah. because Diana Ross had one on. That's right. And then the cool people like Sheila he wouldn't wear one if you shot her. Nah. She wouldn't have one, Mom. Nah. But um So they had a few little things put together that were a little bit different. Yeah. Um, But it was awesome and they did say to the artists – Check your ego at the door. They
0: did. Before you come in. And it was actually uh, Stevie Wonder that met people at the door, literally met people at the door. And um, as they were coming in. Hope he didn't have the list. That's right. Well, it could have been in Braille.
1: Was. Well, their lyrics were in Braille. That's right. When they were learning the lyrics. Yeah. Him and rail, Charles.
0: So Stevie was, was meeting them at the door and he said to each guest as they came in, if they didn't get it right on the first take, that either he or Ray Charles was going to drive them home. <laughs> I loved that. Really? Yeah, yeah. And ah. so it sort of it set the tone of the evening, just to kind of loosen up. Yeah, check your ego, you know, and yeah, and, make it
1: lighter. Yeah,
0: and, and just be just be um, at the same time get it right the first time because it was going to take a while, and it was already late, you know.
1: Yeah, so it was about 9pm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they finished at 4 in the morning.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think they did the lead vocals at 3 in the morning. Yeah,
0: pretty cool. So they they
1: started off with the ensemble and they started off with the whole crowd and they did it a cappella. Yep. That was the one thing that I loved because doing a group of people a cappella, it goes to show you how talented these singers were. The pitch was fucking perfect in a lot of this stuff. Yep. And you like, you get a group to sing a cappella nowadays, it don't sound that great.
0: No, no. They need all the bells and whistles. They need to hear themselves back loud in their well, ears. Well, you
1: need to hear a track.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: even if you're the best singer in the world, you still need to hear a track. That's right,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it gets tricky. Yeah.
0: It's um, but some confronting of the artists- to hear yourself um, dry. And what I mean by dry guys is like without all those effects over your voice because especially if you're sort of touring and performing, you hear a lot of yourself like mixed and everything. And so when that that when you step step back, that recording process can be a little bit confronting, especially if you're in a big room full of your peers and essentially competitors. Um, it, it would have been very confronting, you know.
1: Well, it would have been hard because you can't hear yourself when you're in a group full of 45 people.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You
1: can't hear exactly what you're singing. So someone needs to do the lead and take the pitch and stuff. But I'm amazed at how many pairs of headphones they would have needed yeah, for this session. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: It was just headphone city. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it was an interesting night. Um, Prince didn't show up. He was, uh, he was a huge no-show because he was meant to – he he was meant to sing like a little um, duo with Michael Jackson, and he didn't show up at all. I forget who they gave it to that that other part, but um, he didn't show up, and people people think it's because he was he was just nervous. You know, like if you think of Prince's existence, and yes, I know, I guess Michael Jackson was a bigger star, but. Prince became a star. Prince produced his first album at seventeen. He was like a megastar by the time he was twenty, and lived and died as a megastar in sort of Prince world for the rest of his life. You know, he he created this world around him. Um, at least at this stage, Michael Jackson had his his brothers and his family around him to sort of keep him somewhat grounded prince didn't have that like but you know prince was in prince world so the thought of him like going in and recording with all these other artists would have been very very confronting for him um he ended up writing a song for the album that this track was on so he wrote that song for the tears in your eyes remember that one sammy
1: no Don't remember that one, babe.
0: So, uh, yeah. Oh, good story. So so he wrote that for the album. And so even though he was criticised for not showing up, um, his counter was, well, you know, I ended up doing more than what I was asked. I I wrote a whole song. I wrote a whole song for the album, you know. Um, Yeah, but it sort of, yeah, yeah, didn't show a lot of team spirit. Sheila E. went, you know, Sheila E. went. Yeah, but he
1: was on the Purple Rain tour though as well.
0: Yeah, but he was free that night. He had been at the awards with Sheila. Ah, okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now an- Look,
1: I don't know.
0: Another no-show sh- no was <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was meant to be there as well. He didn't show up because he was recording that night as well and he was recording Party All The Time with his old mate bloody... Rick James. Now, he really? would have yeah, he would have been our one dick for for this episode if we'd not already played it in a previous episode. But, you know, he didn't show up to uh We Are The World to go and make party all the time. <laughs> yeah, good call, mate. I don't know if you made the right decision. Maybe you could have pushed out Rick James and you both they both could have come to this, but anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah, interesting. I think um Some of the artists that were on We Are The World, just to let people know, Mm. Ray Charles, Kenny Loggins, uh, Diana Ross, Stevie Wonder. Now Stevie Wonder is hilarious because there's a part where Stevie starts giggling to himself and he can't stop laughing. Quincy Jones had to stop the recording because they were making so much noise with their feet and they are breathing and remember when Batesy interviewed Cindy Lauper and she said my jewelry used to make so much yeah, noise my bangles well that yeah my bangles Quincy said take them off so he actually actually had to tell them off and Stevie Wonder was sitting there pissing himself laughing at these people making too much noise and I'm thinking why would he be fucking laughing but he's probably laughing because it's not him tripping over all the fucking leads for once yeah. you know <laughs>
0: yeah yeah. And yeah. he's
1: put money on it that uh right might have been Ray Charles.
0: All oh, right. But
1: now all the white singers in this group though mm. are the fucking best in the world. The fucking best in the world. Steve Perry, incredible singer. Yeah. Uh Kenny how Kenny Loggins was there. Kenny Loggins. Fucking what a range that guy has.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know? Uh, Hall and Oates were there, of course. We had a lot of the best, whitest singer with range, you know, Bruce Springsteen, of course. Um, oh, you know, Kim like Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan was there. Yep, people that sort of me. had an icon. Yeah, they
0: were. Yeah, they were. Each each vocal. It's amazing how much of their individual character they poured into each vocal. It's like. Kim Carnes at her most Kim Carnes. It's like um, Bob Dylan at his most Bob Dylan, you know. Like they're, they're incredible. You can – it's yeah. just sonically like the sound of that song, it's so satisfying because it's like, you know, character, 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 character. It's incredible.
1: My favourite thing though is the bridge of the song.
0: Yes. Where are
1: yeah. and a and a in water mall. Yeah. And then wow 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 Cindy Lauper <laughs> comes yeah. in. It's the fucking best. Yeah. Yeah. And with with Michael Jackson's songwriting, I've often noticed that when he writes a song, it's pretty shit until the bridge comes in.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm
1: talking like say say say. Yeah. All along. Dun 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 on the phone.
0: I've got and a theory about you. that. I've got a theory Baby, about
1: that. What a bridge. What a fucking bridge. Yeah. And the rest of the song is shit. Yeah. I've we are th- the world's pretty shit except for the bridge.
0: Yeah. I've got a theory World about class. that and that that um he would have done a lot of ri- his foundation writing like he would have become a writer when he was growing up with his brothers and if you'll notice he sings the bridge in a lot of Jackson songs, like um, I'll give you another example, like "Can you feel it?" Yeah, yeah, he
1: does all of yeah. Can you yeah, feel it? Yeah, absolutely. The, the
0: brothers' bits when you look around, whole else coming. Yeah, and when it gets to the bridge, all the girls in, in the, the world, world can yeah. see. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like yeah, it's like he really felt his bits. Um, but not necessarily as much when he was writing for somebody else. I don't know. That's my that's my theory. Or I reckon he might have been um, perhaps giving himself like the little opportunity to shine out amongst from his brothers. You know what I mean?
1: No, I, I reckon he just writes shit fucking verses. Yeah. I'd, I've never liked them. Like Say 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 was McCartney and Michael yeah. at the start. Yeah. And then that bridge just goes whack. Like he, it's if he could write a song like that bridge of any of those songs. There's another song he did with Stevie Wonder. I think it might be uh oh, was on the Jungle Fever soundtrack. But the bridges are so fucking great that it's like he does this whole scenario and then he just whacks you in the face with it. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, and cool. I did watch it today and I thought, I think I actually like this song better than Band-Aids.
0: Yeah, right. I actually
1: do like it. Yeah.
0: They're, you know, you think they've they basically come out of the same movement. They've come out of, uh, you know, rock stars, pop stars, wanting to do something about the plight of uh, Ethiopia. But they're I, – look, I think they're both awesome songs. They both went multi-platinum. Um, but they're very different, very, very different. Yeah, Do They Know As Christmas is very English. We Are The World is very yeah. American, you know. Yeah.
1: And We Are The World did make a lot more money. It did,
0: yeah. It was far more international. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they were, I, I, you know, I, I guess they were riding on the on the previous success of, of Do They Know It's Christmas as well. You know, it was like almost like a sequel. We Are The World was almost like yeah. a sequel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but you'd think it wouldn't work as well. Because it was the sequel, you know what I mean? Like if someone's already done the idea, yeah. you think, oh, this will do all right. Americans really fucking went out for this. They
0: did. They did. And they
1: really, really brought it. And we had some really good musicians on this recording yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think it was produced that little bit better.
0: Yeah. Well, look, it was Quincy. Quincy Jones sort of versus Mijui, you know. And um, yeah, yeah. But um, a really interesting thing happened and it sort of um, – it, it was a really interesting thing. It just – and I'm not saying one was better than the other in terms of culture – but it just shows you the just shows you the difference I guess because essentially we are the world was recorded in Hollywood you know like it was it was recorded in Hollywood so um, when they were recording do they know it's Christmas back in Notting Hill and they got hungry during the recording they just sent out for fish and chips and stuff you know they had like you know fish and chips in 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 paper and and you know all the brits were like eating out of the fish and chip paper when they got hungry you know uh, recording we are the world and it's in hollywood of course they put the world word out for catering um from neighboring uh places but it was like you know the best restaurants in LA that that sort of came and catered it and they put on this amazing spread you know and they were also pawns
1: sh- and shit
0: yeah yeah just incredible uh, sort of world class food and they got berated by by um Geldof for that because he's yeah. basically yeah
1: cuz he was there yeah
0: cuz he was like fuck you're doing you're singing this song for charity for kids that are starving. You've got fucking cameras everywhere and has this big sort of luxurious banquet table laid out. Pretty shit. But yeah. they, they just, they, they, they wouldn't have seen it like that. And, I mean, uh, Geldof had just come back from Ethiopia, you, you know, re- recently. It, he would have been very, very sensitive to this type of thing. But, look. It was his job. And
1: I kind of agree with you. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was his job to sort of constantly pull people into line with this, as we know, as we talked about, you know, um, in the previous episode.
1: Well, it's like taking a diabetic to a fucking lolly shop, <laughs> Yeah, you know? absolutely. You fucking – you should have more respect, yeah, really. yeah, yeah. But obviously – these guys were catered for and yeah, there was yeah. caviar and shit on the thing yes
0: of course so go and watch some footage of the making of we are the world it's fascinating and there's there's sort of watch as much footage as you can watch outtakes and stuff as well because there are some very interesting outtakes Um, of the takes, of the takes themselves and listen to Mm. Quincy giving the artist sort of uh, feedback as well and giving them notes and stuff. It's really, really interesting. And also there's a really interesting moment. I'm obsessed with it. They're all singing as a group. They're all singing the – uh, my children. You know how they did that refrain. Originally, it was like "Sha la sha and they changed the they changed the lyric, but it was that little kind of refrain bit. They were all recording that, and Michael and and Diana Ross were in the front row, and they were fucking around. Like Michael was giggling. And Diana, him and Diana Ross were whispering in each other's ears and they were fucking around and right behind them is Kim Karnes and she looks at the person next to her and I think it's Cindy Lauper and her and Kim and Cindy share this look of just like these guys, like fucking hell, like it's late, you know, <laughs> like fucking hell, yeah.
1: I hated that Shala bit that Michael wrote. It was fucking horrible. We are the world, Shala, we are the children.
0: Yeah, interesting, really interesting recording. Go and watch it. It The, the song went yeah. multi-platinum. It was a huge hit. Mm. They just played it and played it. It was like fantastically um, radio-friendly song as well, you know. People, it was a pleasure to very play it. Very American. Yeah, yeah, very American. Mm. Yeah, we're going to change the world. Awesome. Yeah. So, so let's
1: go back to Live Aid and what we're up to. That's
0: right. So where we left off last time, guys, was Queen and what an amazing mm. job they did. Um, mm. So basically we've moved from Queen to David Bowie. Bowie went on. It was about uh, five, almost 5.30 in the afternoon. So David David walked out to TVC15, which is one of my favourite David Bowie songs. Remember that one, Semi?
1: Yep, fucking oath. I remember every <laughs> single song. I had to fucking look at him 25 times in. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: He, I didn't know this one before we did no, the show. No, to though. be
0: honest, I didn't either. I didn't mm. realise, I recognised it because I, I mm. from watching this footage of him walking out to it because they were jamming mm. it. They would. They started jamming in his band and he walked out to it and then sort of finished the song. Yeah. So he then did Rebel Rebel, he did Modern Love and he did Heroes. He actually cut his set short. So, Geldof basically asked David Bowie to cut his set short so that he could play the video. And the video was this footage of the starving, starving Africans, the starving Ethiopians. And everything changed.
1: Was this a gig that Annie Lennox sang with him or not? Freddie Mercury tribute, yeah. I get those two mixed up. Yeah,
0: and they sang "Under Pressure" together. Yeah, yeah. It was very good too. That's a that's another special. That's another special we could do. It
1: could be a great special, absolutely.
0: Yes. Um, so this video played of the starving Africa, you know, and you just think you've just had you two, you've had Dire Straits, you've had Queen, you've had David Bowie, and then you're confronted with this. Devastating, devastating footage. And it was played to... It was... They played Drive by the Cars. Who's gonna drive you home tonight? Wow. The incredibly touching song. And everybody Mm. in the crowd, you could not hear a pin drop. Everybody was, like, bawling their eyes out, streaming with tears and, like, hugging people next to them, complete strangers. And it really drove things home. It was... um, it was a really incredible turning point.
1: What a bizarre song to play over a f- footage like that.
0: Uh, yeah, in, in term- lyrically, yes. Lyrically, it's got nothing to do with it. But I yeah. kind of get it. I kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just... Fuck,
1: I don't. It's... Unless he was talking about who was going to drive you home from the gig you and you had no problems. Yeah, I don't know.
0: yeah. There's, yeah, there's many, there's many interpretations of that song. It's sort of like, it's a very lonely song. It's a, it's a, lonely, a lonely person singing about another potentially lonely person, you know. So, it's yeah, mm. uh, it really worked, you know. Like I, I kind of, it, it really got me when I, <laughs> when I watched it. It was just devastating. But as you say, interesting choice, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really changed the vibe it would have been difficult then for uh, the who to pick things up after this um, the who were the next uh, british band playing at wembley uh, the who uh, the the who the, the, the who played my generation you know talking about my generation pinball wizard love rain Me, and won't get fooled again and apparently it was a technical minefield just shit was fucking up. They couldn't hear songs. There was feedback, like it was just everywhere. When, as soon as, um, as soon as they started sort of crossing to the US and everything, which was around sort of Paul Young territory, so you know, four bands before this, things started to get a little bit weird. Um, you know, things were going wrong, left, right, and centre, and they were having to sort of, yeah, you know, put out. Um, put out spot fires all the time you know so that would have been a a pretty tricky gig for the who definitely but it was very quickly picked up by elton john good old elton who would have been
1: piano vocal yeah
0: yeah he had the longest set of the day
1: did he have any band members or just him and the piano
0: yeah 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 he had um he had band members Not sure if they were right on stage of playing from off stage or what, but um, he played I'm Still Standing. He played Benny and the Jets, Rocket Man. He he sang Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Kiki D. So he had Kiki D. He sang Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me um, with Wham. So he had both of them. Everyone thinks it was just George, but it was actually both of them. Um, And that, you know, that song became quite a famous duet for those guys because they would uh, they would play it years later for they would record it themselves and, and release it but they used to play it live at each other's shows so Elton would turn up to George's shows and vice versa and I think they also played it at the benefit for Freddie uh, you know Freddie's death the memorial yeah. or whatever I think they played think it they did. I'm yeah. not sure but there you go yeah um, and also, Can I Get a Witness? He played Can I Get a Witness. Longest set of the day. Freddie Mercury would then play another song with Brian May. They they played Is um, is This the World We've Created? Uh, Paul McCartney would then come on because they, they they wanted sort of one Beatle. They wanted one Beatle to play this gig, you know, because it was sort of British... Uh, British, Legendary. Yeah, British Music Royalty, really. Um, Paul came and played. The first two minutes of Paul's first song was just shit. It, it fed back, the mic fed back for a good two minutes and they just couldn't get rid of it. Just could not get rid of it. He sang... Uh, it, was, it was Let It Be. It was Let It Be. Um, so... David Bowie, Bob Geldof.
1: How embarrassing for Elvis Costello?
0: Having played for a Beatles Pol- song previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I'd be rather embarrassed. I'd be, like, meeting him at the fucking drink counter going, sorry, I played your song, mate. You
0: know, he did a great job. I'm not I'm not a huge Elvis Costello fan at all, but... Um,
1: well, he could have done Pump It Up or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I
0: know. I think, I think the reason that he did it was to sort of lay a red herring that the Beatles weren't going to show. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right. So, Tricky. You know what I mean? It's Tricky. like, oh, because they never said anything and then he plays a Beatles song. To me, if I was in the crowd, I'd go, oh, you know, they're not going to come. And so it was quite a surprise then when Paul walked out. Now, Paul did sing part of his set with... David Bowie, Bob Geldof, Alison Moyet, our old mate, Alice. Alison Moyet. Yeah. And Pete yeah. Townsend. Lovely. Um, and if you have a look at the footage, <laughs> Alison's sharing a mic with David Bowie and she's she's got it, in front, of it like, in front of her mouth like this, like I've got my mic in front of mine and poor Bowie's trying to sing into the side of it, you know. Uh, she must have... She must have fucking kicked herself after she she watched that. You know, there's nothing. Some else.
1: singers do sing right on the mic though, and it's just a habit you can't get out of when you're singing with someone else. Yeah. yeah. Because when the more her her tone is so rich, mm. the more you sing close to the mic, the thicker the tone. Yeah. So I, it kind of explains to me that that's what she's used to. But it is tricky when you're in a situation. Where you got to share the mic with a rock star, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because exactly. they're
1: not they're not as directional as people think they are. Oh
0: no, no, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, the audience saved the day, you know. Even though he's, even though <laughs> his his uh, the first two minutes of his set was just a technical minefield as well. The audience all joined in, you know, and and made it sort of beautiful. Made it a really beautiful moment. Um, and Paul is such a professional, he, he just sort of was so charismatic and um, did, ended up doing a great job. It, it ended really well. Now, uh, Short and Sweet, he was just on very quickly and then he was joined on stage by Band-Aid in its entirety. Um, not necessarily all the stars that recorded the single, uh, Do They Know It's Christmas?, but they basically got everyone on stage from the day, uh, and they all. That sang. was the finale, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. They, Where
1: they finished the night.
0: They all sing it together. Now, um, it's <laughs> Bob, Bob Geldof when he was introducing it. He, because they're sort of pouring on stage, all these artists are pouring on stage, and they were smashed. You know, they're, they're all <laughs> they're all wrecked. And they're like wandering yeah, on stage. Hot. Yeah, they've got their arms around each other. They're all maggoted and everything. And he's, he's just trying to get some order. So he's sort of slowly, slowly introducing this song. And he said, I think you'll know this next song.
1: It might be a bit of a cock up,
0: but if you're going to
1: cock it up, you may as well do it with two billion people watching you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So let's cock it
0: um, up and uh, I remember um, Status Quo, come They down, they yeah, said... Um, you know, it, it, was, it was just incredible. It must have been fantastic. I wish I could remember it. They were just, just fucking off their faces with like a pint in their oh. hand, like singing the song, you know. No idea, no memory at all.
1: Old school musos, that's the first thing they look for is the rider. Yeah, yeah. And they were first act on and they had to wait for the whole day. What else are you going to do? That's
0: right. They would have been hanging out with their Can't mates. Can't pick up when
1: you're that ugly. Yeah. Can't pick up when you're fucking. Lucky they were 65. funny, eh? They
0: were, they were funny. They were piss funny. Anyway.
1: That's hilarious. They were gorgeous.
0: All right. Are we up to ad break time yet, do you reckon? And then we can come back and um, rip through the yeah. American set? Yeah. Why not? Let's do that. Oh, we've got a good ad this week. You do? Yeah. Especially if you like... we going to play it? Especially if you like chockies. Yes, if you
1: do, you'll love this. Anyway, we're going to play it for you now. Here you go. Here we go.
0: In Scandinavia, they snack on pickled herrings because they don't have wagon wheels. Which would you prefer? The wagon wheel. Eat the wagon wheel. Western's Wagon Wheels. A lot more delicious than a pickled herring.
1: What a great commercial. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's a cracker. I really remember that one. I remember, like, doing it in school. Like, eat the wagon wheel. Eat the wagon wheel. Do
1: you like wagon wheels? Do you remember having them at school? Did you enjoy Uh, them? Because I wasn't a fan. It wasn't
0: like... I don't particularly – well, I didn't as a kid. I don't. I didn't particularly like marshmallow. I was like, why the me fuck either. would you like marshmallow? I don't mind yeah. it as an adult really. Yeah. Uh, and like I love toasting them and that kind of shit. But like having, a, having marshmallow and chocolate – like I used to hate Rocky Road, yeah? Rocky Road. Oh. Mum would buy me like Rocky Road, you know, like I've got a surprise. Daryl And no, she'd pull oh. out Rocky Road and I'd just be like, oh, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> I'd just be like, Rocky fucking rude. I like know. It's, not it's very exciting. It's such a waste of chocolate, you know. I don't yeah, mind them now. Yeah. yeah.
1: Daryl Lee used to sell it by the truckload yes. and your mum would go past in the supermarket and go, oh, Daryl Lee. Because that, like, that was the days where they had big Daryl Lee's Darryl shops, Lee. you know.
0: They don't have the shops anymore. Now, I think you can still no. buy them online, can't you? They're just online Chemists
1: now. sell it. Chemists and you can get Daryl Lee and Woolworths, but it's not like the old days where there was a shop.
0: No. They sell. You used
1: to go and buy Christmas presents.
0: Daryl Lee have the best licorice. And yeah, I'm not a huge do. fan of licorice either, to be honest, but but I can stomach Daryl Lee um, licorice. It's bloody beautiful.
1: There used to be an ad for wagon wheels, it might have been the 70s and it was a young kid dressed in a cowboy Oh,
0: here we thing. go. Yeah.
1: And he went, these wagon wheels are the best wagon wheels. And, blah, 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 blah. and he used to do like this recital. And if you could learn it, I think you got a free wagon wheel or something Ye- from the shop. Well,
0: you wouldn't have won any.
1: I wouldn't have won it. But <laughs> I remember Batesy, Batesy was really good at it. <laughs> I would not have. I can't remember that stuff. you
0: told me about that ad now like five do you times. Remember, I can't um, remember it. I can't remember it.
1: Big Mac, fillet of fish, quarter pound of French fries. Mate. Da-da-da, thick shake, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Do, do that remember
0: that ad?
1: Did do you, you remember it?
0: Did you see how fat I was as a kid? No. <laughs> nah, we didn't I a, could
1: never do it. We didn't I have could have a, never um, remember it.
0: We didn't have a Maccas, you know. We didn't have a Maccas yeah. for fucking miles cuz grew up in the country, you know. I remember having mm. Maccas when I came to Sydney, and it was when they were in cuz we had rallies in Sydney. It was when they were the burgers were stir, served in those awful fucking non Yeah, polystyrene containers. Yeah. That, yeah, which they disgusting fuck they tasted yeah. good.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they're smaller now, but uh, yeah, I remember yeah. there was a competition, and I could never remember the order.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, great. Let's get let's get into it. So let's go to Philly. That's right. Now, um, Jagger, Jagger and Bowie were going to tr- going to try. To do like a live duet where Bowie was going to be in the US, Jagger was going to be in the UK, and they just technically couldn't work it out yet. And really, I don't think you could do it today either. Really, nah, nah. There's no. just there's latency and all that kind of shit. It's just it's too difficult, you know. Um, and so they ended up recording one of our favourite songs, which is um, "Dancing in the Street." So they. And didn't
1: he ask – he asked Harvey, the the lawyer, whether they could sing in a spaceship. David Bowie decided he wanted to sing that was his Bowie's part idea. in a spaceship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Harvey said he was so caught up in it that he wanted to – he was nearly on the phone to Na- NASA going, they did. They I need a spaceship. NASA.
0: They called Cause NASA. Because he was
1: so excited, yeah.
0: Well, how Bowie That's is that hilarious. to record in a spaceship, you know?
1: But how funny is it to be that caught up in it that you've got this smart lawyer, Jewish lawyer that's going to ring NASA to see if it can be done. Like yes. he just thought it was fucking stupid himself, yeah, you know. Yeah, But when someone's so excited about something, it can make you want to make it happen.
0: But I love how Bo, it's Bowie that thinks of it and comes up with it because it's like – yeah. He, he was an alien anyway. So it's <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so look, instead of playing it live, they recorded the duet of Dancing in the Street and the film clip was shown simultaneously at both stadiums. So that's that was our little sort of, you know, jewel moment with <laughs> those guys. And just like one of the most... Cringy clips, I, I can remember. You know, it's like your dad and your uncle fucking getting up and doing a duet, just like, oh, God.
1: Bob Geldof said it was a, it was the both of them trying to out-camp each other.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. That's all it was. He said that. Like, Bob who, Geldof was who like, could oh, could be I the couldn't watch it puff. anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. Basically that's all it was.
0: Ah, uh, fantastic. But all the
1: sales went to Live Aid, so that was pretty cool.
0: That's right. That's right, all five of them. So um, so in the US it's kicking off, it's kicking off. Now things were very, very on the edge with the US show. They had a promoter, what was his name?
1: Um, I don't know.
0: Bill Graham.
1: He was the network guy of the TV station, wasn't he? Or was he the promoter? I he, don't know. He One was, of them he was, was the causing a. a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah he, okay. yeah,
0: he was the promoter. And he was actually trying to – he was meant to be getting artists onto onto this list, you know, onto this uh, – That's right. This, this order. And – but instead, he was actually like tr- talking them out of it because you know yeah. there, there had been a little, there had was already momentum with this whole movement. So artists were wanting to do it, wanting to jump on. Uh, when he'd when he'd call and speak to their representation, this fuckwit was trying to talk them out of it. He was yeah, a complete he, nightmare.
1: They just he just didn't. He wanted to keep the idea more in America and wanted to sort of steal the idea in a way and not and he just didn't like Geldof. Geldof had organized all this stuff and he just wanted to be a little bit of a you know, like a, a person that wanted to basically steal the idea.
0: Yeah. He wanted control he, for it. Yeah, he wanted ownership of it. Um he felt that it was too um, Anglo-centric, it was too sort of British-based. British, British based. He was terribly threatened by that, you know. He, he felt that the British were taking credit for all this work and it was just fucking ridiculous. At the end of the day, kids were starving. Nobody nobody fucking cared about that shit, you know. They were just trying to raise money to to, to stop these kids from dying. And has this prick fucking worried about you know wanting more credit? You know, ridiculous. He was, yeah. So they start. They kicked off quite early in the US. They they um um I've got uh, I've got seven a.m. written down. I've also got nine a.m. written down. But you know, either way, it's um it was fucking early. They probably they probably let the crowd in at seven a.m. Um, things mm. kicked off. They had. Many big name hosts and sort of presenters, Jack Nicholson being one. Like you would never, mm. <laughs> you know, you would never think like uh, Jack. You would never put that together in your head. Um, but it was a very Bet very Midler. hot day. Bet Midler, yes. Now Bet Bet was at the recording of We Are the World, but she came yeah. late. She came late, very late. And she missed out on having being assigned a little solo and she just sang in the chorus bits. You can see her in the film clip. You can pick her out. But
1: I saw her come in with everyone else though. Really? There's a doco where she comes in with everyone else, yeah. They'd already assigned the lead singers about three or four days before and had their names written down on tape on the ground.
0: Yeah, but…
1: So Steve Perry and all that stuff. But I don't think she well, – she didn't look late to me. Yeah, but they're not going to have video. Bette
0: Midler there and not give her a solo. Like, oh, sorry, and she's there like what? playing with herself. Like, you know, like Pr- Prince didn't turn up. There alone they could have popped her in there. You know what I mean? So, that, yeah, yeah. I mean it's different to – it's not like she's the Jacksons or Latoya. <laughs> you know, it's Bette Midler. She was a huge – she was a huge star in her own right, you know. Certainly bigger than, say, Kim Kahn's.
1: Yeah, yeah. I see. I'd have to clarify the Prince stuff. I don't know enough about that to see what happened there. He didn't show it just up. Just sounds a little bit weird. He just didn't
0: show up. Yeah, it was, as simple as that. Because yeah. that
1: would have ruined his whole career, though. Who? If you haven't shown up for the American music industry to do a song like this for free. That would have fucked your whole career
0: surely. He got a lot of flat. Prince got a lot of criticism for that. His his I guess his counter argument was they wanted a they wanted a, a small part from me in an ensemble. I gave them even more. I wrote them an entire song. That was that was Prince's mentality. You know, he he had a lot yeah. of anxiety about singing with all those people, you know? Anyway, mm. uh, look. So, so it was a very hot day in Philadelphia at um, JFK Stadium, huge stadium, and I think they had just shy of ninety thousand people. Just shy of ninety thousand, they did. Yeah, just just underneath ninety thousand people. Um, first band was the Hooters. We've talked about the Hooters.
1: Yeah, we love the Hooters. We love
0: that song, All You Zombies. Yeah. And they've also got – they they actually played And We Danced and they played All You Zombies. They had two songs. Now, um, when Bob Geldof heard (laughs) – because, of course, you know, he's in the UK. When Bob Geldof heard that um, the Hooters were going first, his response was like, who the fuck are the Hooters? He had, no, he had no idea because um, uh, the US gig was so on the edge that n- everybody felt like it wasn't going to go ahead. Even even 24 hours beforehand, it was still like this could happen or it could not, you know, and then it just all happened, you know. So
1: Yeah, there was a whole lot of conspiracy. Yeah, over. yeah, they were ho- holding off. People pulling out. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson didn't want to do yeah. it, which he didn't. Mm. Lionel Richie nearly didn't do yeah. it. A lot of people.
0: They thought it was going to be a fizzer. You know, they th- they thought it was going to be a fizzer. So it would have been it would have been difficult. It w- would have been a real leap of faith for the people that did do it. You know. Um, I think
1: they all jumped on right at the end, yeah, yeah, because they'd seen it on UK on the American TV and gone. Yeah, it was weird. I'd, oh, I'd love to know more about what happened because there's obviously someone there that's causing a lot of problems. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, it was Bill Graham. They, they tried to... Um, uh, he was the promoter of the show. He turned up on the day and was just he was just trying to wreck it. He was trying to get people kicked out. Um, the, the stage managers almost ordered security to... Have him ejected from his own gig, from his own gig that he promoted.
1: I actually heard they had him ejected.
0: Yeah, right. Oh. I
1: think they actually did get rid of him. It would be, like, as a promoter though, promoters as we know are dickheads and because it wasn't his idea, he would have fucking gone, well, fuck this, I want to root it. So I can say, well, if I had have had all this control, it wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah, You know? yeah.
1: If there's no dollar in it for a promoter, yeah. they couldn't give a fuck yeah. whether it was for Ethiopia. And I'm just being honest with you. Promoters are totally different people. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had an incredibly huge ego that even Bob couldn't um, climb over. You know this guy. He there's this this famous story about when they were trying to book bands for this set. There was a big pile on one side of his desk and a big pile on the other. And he, he basically said to one of Bob's guys, um, you know, this pile here, and this is massive pile of papers, this pile here is of the bands that I just will not work with. This, these are the artists I will not work with. And I was like, right. And, and the guy said, what's the other pile? And he said, well, you know, and it was equally as big. He said, well, that's the pile that won't work with me. Mm. So he was notorious mm. for being a prick, you know. Anyway, yeah. after the Hooters, the Four Tops played with uh, Shake Me, Wake Me, When It's Over, Bernadette. It's the same old song, Reach Out, I'll Be There. I love that one. And I can't help myself, you know, Sugar Pa, Honey Bunch. Interesting.
1: Interesting to have the Four Tops there, I absolutely.
0: So. I think so. Uh, Bizarre. Billy Ocean. Not Billy Joel, because uh, he didn't he didn't want to play he didn't want to play he couldn't get couldn't get his band together and didn't want to play on his own. So yeah, he, right. He didn't play. Um,
1: no, I told you about Billy Joel though. Yeah. Billy Joel had been married. Yeah. And didn't in, didn't invite his band, and they all fucking hated yeah. him. Yeah. Because they'd worked with him for twenty years, and he got married. And it would have been to Christy Brinkley, obviously, and did not invite fucking any of his band.
0: Maybe they were
1: cunts. I think Billy Joel's renowned for being a bit of a
0: dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Because I
1: have watched a documentary on Billy Joel's band. It might have been that documentary about all the backing bands. Yeah. You know, that great doco on Netflix? It might have been that. Yeah. And they were talking about how they don't talk to Billy Joel anymore because of the wedding thing.
0: Yes, yeah, that's right. Now you would invite your band. Of though. course you would. Of course they they make it fucking fun. Exactly. Who else is going to hit We've on the waitresses? <laughs> now Billy Ocean. Uh, Billy Ocean played Caribbean Queen and Lover Boy. I'm not into Caribbean Queen, but I do like Lover Boy. Oh.
1: I loved Caribbean Queen. Yeah. Oh did you? That was so big in the clubs. Oh yeah. Huge in the clubs. Oh
0: I'll give it another shot then.
1: Just as I was starting to go out and oh, no, I was underage. I was going out to nightclubs and that was a big you just hear that first string line and then it was just, you know, that big talking intro. It's fucking awesome. Now
0: Billy Ocean would have you know, he would have had some luck, wouldn't he? He was a he was a you know, sexy black dude, wasn't he? He would have been.
1: Yeah, but he was kind of daggy.
0: He was kind of daggy, but fucking. Mate, he would have cleaned up. He was a good looking dude. no,
1: he was like the male version of Joan Armour Trading. I don't find him that interesting. Okay. All right. Joan Armour Trading was very boring yeah. and did her thing. And Billy Ocean. I mean, look, his earlier stuff is all right, but I don't think he was seen as a sex symbol, no.
0: Ah, oh,
1: get out of it! Nah, no, we're, nowhere in the world.
0: All right, so straight up after Billy Ocean, you had Black Sabbath. Now it's fucking getting good. Children of the Grave, Iron Man and Paranoid. Then you had... Uh, Paranoid. <laughs> so after Sabbath, uh, Run DMC. <laughs> it's just like the craziest fucking set, you know. It's uh, Was it
1: actually Sabbath or Ozzy Osbourne?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, it was Sabbath. Oh, okay. I don't think it was. Yeah. Because uh. I've
1: got I've got an I've got a Ozzy Osbourne list, and I thought, why would they say Ozzy Osbourne if it was Black Sabbath?
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, I think it was Sabbath. If they're playing those songs. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maddie's it's confirming just it just was Sabbath. Black. Anyway, so R- yeah. Run DMC, Jam Master Jay and King of Rock, that's what they played. They would have been fucking awesome too. Yeah. I love Run, Run DMC.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, very Look, cute. in an attempt to rip through, I'm going to rip through. We've got Rick Springfield, Rick Springfield, our old mate, with Love Somebody, Touch of the Heart and Human Touch. Didn't do
1: Jesse's. Didn't
0: do Jesse's.
1: Do you know what? I don't think Jesse's was really that big. Then? It sort of became then. Yeah. It sort of became big when the Shazzers came out and, and started listening to it. Yeah. I actually think Rick Springfield's Jesse's Girl was big, right? It was big. Yeah. But it's be- the cover band scene that's actually made it bigger than what <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? Like I don't believe that it was that big that we all – it's just the cover band scene, everyone does it and it has this resurgence of whatever, you know. Yeah.
0: It's been in a few things since as well. Like it was in Glee, uh, you oh, know. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's had sort of revivals in pop culture over time as well. Yeah. Shit ones. Um, so after Rick Springfield you had Ario <laughs> Speedwagon – our mates that we were talking about the other week, they had they played "Can't Fight This Feeling" and "Roll With the Changes." They only played two songs.
1: They weren't that big.
0: They're huge in they the US. They weren't that big in Australia. Yeah,
1: yeah, US they are, but in Australia and in England I don't think they were that yeah. big. Yeah,
0: see, there, a lot of these bands um, were huge in the US, but like a lot of the UK didn't know them, so they yeah. they wouldn't they weren't a lot of these early ones so so this is something to note a lot of these well all of these early ones were not shown at the live event yet so we haven't yet crossed with these acts that we're mentioning now to the UK, uh, a lot of these. I mean, obviously they knew Sabbath, you know. But but um, say, for instance, the Hooters. The Hooters were really big in Philly, in particular, but they really didn't know about them in the UK. Um, and and that's like sort of any any opening act at any uh, at any gig, they will put a very popular, cheap, local act on, and and that was why they why they popped Hooters on, you know. Um, REO Speedwagon went into Crosby, Stills and Nash. Do you like them? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Southern Cross. T- Never in a million years. No. Uh, not even. Oh. Not even Stills. No.
1: Not even Nash. Didn't he? Wasn't he? Weren't? Wasn't one of the father? Didn't they father the fucking other boring band? Those three chicks. And he fathered one of their childs. Crosby I think it was Crosby.
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: Oh. Uh, or their daughters of them nah, or something. you're thinking that of Wins- fucking Wilson
0: Phillips. That's yes. that's the beach. What's Boys, the story baby. with that? That they're the Wil- they're the right. Wilson, you know, Brian Wilson. Oh,
1: okay. It? I thought yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think one of them wanted sperm donors from Crosby Still Nash, but I might be wrong. <sighs> might be just a might have been a A uh, story that I heard (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah Um, So they played Southern Cross, Teach Your Children and Sweet Judy Blue Eyes I know fuck all about Crosby, Stills and Nash
1: Yeah, me too And they're more 60s and 70s, aren't they?
0: That's right Then it got good and it's about to get even better Judas Priest Thank you Judas Priest played uh, Living After Midnight, the green Manalashi. Manalishi. Whoops. And you've got another thing coming. All right. Now, next, we've hit midday, right? We've hit midday in the US. The next act was Brian Adams. Brian Adams from Canada. Brian Adams from Canada was the very first act to cross over and be shown in London. Yeah, it went yeah, so
1: in London, because we've already sort of finished London, but we're going back in time yeah. to tell people that it was in between. That's yes. right.
0: So uh, what was happening in the, on the London set, uh, well, not so much London, but Wembley, the, the Wembley set was Paul Young. Now, Paul Young famously had to cut his fucking, cut, try to cut his, like, you know, midway through his last song, they're sweating. They're thinking they're gonna have to. They're thinking they're gonna have to jump into the middle of his song because the USA was ready and they were crossing. You know, the whole of the whole of this gig at, at JFK was not going to wait for Paul Young. So they look. They crossed to Brian Adams, and there was no problems. It went off. He played "Kids Wanna Rock," "Summer of '69," "Tears Are Not Enough," and "Cuts Like a Knife." Now when this happened it was another really important moment in this show because in the UK it's, it all became like a big celebration it became a huge big celebration it's it's like the moment where the penny dropped where oh my god we're playing this gig here and they're over there playing this gig uh, and we can see it here. That's just incredible. You know, we really take that kind of thing for granted these days. We, we as a concept, we, we don't even, it doesn't even enter our consciousness. We're just so used to seeing sort of live events constantly uh, being streamed in by satellite. We really take it for granted. But it really rocked people's worlds, you know. And um, people had their windows open of their houses and their cars. They were playing it on the radio and in the TV. And it was like there was like a jubilee, you know, like some some big sort of national celebration. People were dancing in the streets. You didn't have to be watching the show. You could hear it. You could hear it from all the TVs and radios. And it was being played all around the world, India, Germany, Australia, USSR, and it was, you know, this was the moment where you really got a sense that we were one big global village. It was, it was incredible. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. After those, guys, you had the Beach Boys uh, doing California Girls, Help Me Rhonda, Wouldn't It Be Nice, Good Vibrations and Surfing USA. Playing the hits, Sammy. Nothing but the hits. Yeah. Nothing but the hits.
1: Beach Boys were hit central though. Yeah,
0: yeah, they were. They always had great yeah. hits. What was it the song they had in the 80s? Kokomo. <laughs> it's it's just it's actually.
1: Come on, pretty mama. Becky
0: the only Kamada. thing I like
1: about yeah yeah. <laughs> 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 the only thing I like about Kokomo is John Stammers. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah. The guy with the weird belly button. Because
1: the re- – like, you know, I, was, I always wondered, how did John get in there? How did he get in there? Why did he want to be there? Yeah. Oh, mate. He would have – Was he going to pick up tips? He would have rooted all the young ones. True. Oh. Well, he might have got his new plucking
0: show. Yeah, well, he was like he three, was um, – Three
1: men and a baby. He was their tour drummer. He
0: was their tour drummer. I think that's fucking awesome. I love that.
1: Oh, so he didn't just play bongos.
0: Oh, percussionists.
1: drum, percussionist. So, um, fuck, that's amazing.
0: So there you go. Good vibrations indeed. Now, we went then into Bradley Cook's favourite artist, which is George Thoroughgood. Blah, 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 bad. That guy. Oh. Blah, 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 bad. George Thorogood. So we've got um, uh, good old George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Fucking Destroyers. They did Who Do You Love with Bo Diddley. They did The Sky Is Crying and then they did Madison Blues with Albert Collins. Everyone remember Al- Albert Collins? Not me.
1: No. Now. I don't.
0: Speaking of Bradley Cook, Sammy. Our mate Brad is just mm-hmm. about to release he's released his first single. Um, did Brad no. So so we'll be releasing this uh, next week. So Brad's album will be released, won't it? It's
1: released yesterday.
0: It's released, yep, now. released now. Holy yep. shit. Get out yep, there and get behind out. it, guys. It's called Time to Fly, which Time is titled that Maddie really resonates with being a pilot. And what's the the, the first right. single, Maddie? It's uh, um, Planet of Love. Yeah, Planet of Love. It's quite Lenny Kravitzy, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. shake it, shake it. I think's better. Oh
0: yes, and the shake it as well. Very That's the good. song about cocktails. Mm.
1: That's right. Oh. Speaking of John Stamos,
0: shake it could. Also, no, I won't say. Um, Yeah. So there we go. Get behind Bradley Cook. He will be, uh, search Bradley Cook on uh, social media. Brad Cook, Brad Cook. And uh, check out his album, guys. It's awesome. All right. So after George Thorogood, you've got Simple Minds. Our mate Simple Minds with Ghost Dancing, Don't You Forget About Me. Their big hit, and promised mm. you a miracle. Promised you a miracle.
1: Simple Minds are interesting for me. Their earlier stuff, I think, shits all over their 80s, like the the really late 80s yeah, stuff. Yeah,
0: you said that, hey? Have I? Yeah, you've mentioned that before. Oh, I must. No, I found that quite okay, a, quite I interesting because really, I did. I, I really. I did go and check out their earlier stuff, and I'd I'd, I'd agree actually.
1: Oh yeah, it's so new romantic and stuff and. I liked um, Up on the Catwalk, though. That was a brilliant track. But I just found they are a little bit sexier in their early de- albums. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But
1: Don't You Forget About Me, obviously, was very popular from. Was it Pretty in Pink?
0: Yeah. Or was it no, the other it's one? Um, Breakfast Club.
1: Breakfast Club, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So that song, of course, Don't You Forget About Me, originally offered to the Pretenders. And. Uh, what's her name? Chrissy Hines? Yeah. Chrissy Hind was married to the lead singer of Simple Minds. And yeah. she said, oh, you know, I don't know if it's us. Maybe offer it to yeah. Simple Minds. And, and they did, and the rest yeah. is history. There you go. Their vocal is quite similar, I think. Yeah. yeah.
1: I guess. I love singing Chrissy Hines stuff. I find that really interesting because I don't really like the pretenders. But The Chain Gang is a fucking great song yeah, to sing. Yeah, yeah. It's just something about the uh, yeah. her wave in her voice that becomes really enjoyable if you do it in a cover yeah, band. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's quite Bob Dylan, her voice, isn't
1: it? Yeah, very I, much I, so, I, um, yeah.
0: I love um, I'm going to make see nobody else. Yeah, I'm special. Oh, yeah, I love that uh, song. It's a great do you like track. it as a chick? Oh god yeah. What about as a guy? But
1: my old man loved this song. Hey? He used to show me the video. He used to my dad used to love um,
0: I can see special. your dad sort of slipping into a loved lovely it. pair of stilettos. Loved her. Playing this song sort yeah. of when <laughs> mum was out. Dun 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 dun. Yes. <laughs> dun, 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 dun I know, dun. right? Oh,
1: he loved that song. I hope I
0: never actually do get to see that. Anyway, Simple minds were followed up by the pretenders. There you go. They they perhaps came in the same car. Same she, car. she gave him a lift. That's right. She gave him a lift. Uh, time the Avenger, message of love. Stop your sobbing. Oh shit. Stop your sobbing. Back on the chain, gang. In the middle of the road. And my phone's on 10%, so we n- really need to go for it. <laughs> yeah. Or, no worries. All right, so. After Pretenders, you've got Santana. I fucking hate Santana.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big Santana fan.
0: You know what killed it for me? That fucking awful song that he did with Rob Thomas.
1: Horrible. Smooth. <inaudible> fucking Jewish bar mitzvah.
0: <inaudible> 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 no, I,
1: I don't like Rob Thomas, really. No. He's a little bit beige. He's he was actually the start of the beige sort of guys to come through. Never liked Rob Thomas.
0: Nah. So Santana did look, Brotherhood, Primavera Invasion, open invitation, by the pool and right now. Did he? Never heard of any of it. Yeah, fuck. They would have been boring. So then you've Why didn't
1: they do Black Magic Woman and shit the people knew? Exactly.
0: Exactly. Look, Santana, look. Everyone, yeah, uh, I think he's overrated. Can I say that? Is every
1: Look, he's a great guitarist and he does have a an, a great spin and a different guitar sound. Yeah. But the music to me, Black Magic Woman's great. Yeah. The rest is shit. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. All right, so then we've and got a lot of
1: people won't agree.
0: Ashford and Simpson
1: I love Ashford and Oh, do Simpson. you?
0: Okay, there we go.
1: Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Husband and wife.
0: Yes, there we go. Um,
1: Ashford and Simpson were a husband and wife and one was a really short chick and then a tall guy. Yes. And they were just, they had a song called Solid. Solid, solid as a rock. Dunk, and it was really good. It was a fucking great song. They
0: actually opened with Solid and then they did. And what did
1: they play after that?
0: Then they did Reach Out and Touch Somebody's Hand, which is, you know, quite a wet song, isn't well, it? Well, they
1: would have had to because they didn't have much else after nah. Solid.
0: They did that with Teddy Pentagrass, you know? You with me? Yeah. Then, then we had Madonna. Holy shit. Yeah, now this was the shit. Now we're getting good. Uh, Ma- and
1: it was very late in Australia as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it was a very, very hot day. Yeah? Know this. Yeah. Madonna Madonna had just had this scandal. Um, she had had old yes. photos that she sat for when she was starving in New York. Yep. Um, nude photos. Sorry, the uh, photographer in sold them. Playboy, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it could have been Penthouse.
1: Might have been penthouse.
0: Yeah, wife. yeah, it was penthouse. Um, yep. She Madonna hated these, hated these photos. I think she had. She did, look. She wasn't. It was no big deal that people were like looking at her boobs and her naked body and stuff. But I think she would have preferred to do it on her own terms. She wanted to. You know, she was fucked yeah. off that. ...some prick had gone behind her back and sold these photos... ...like, you know, just because she was famous... ...and he knew he'd make a buck out of them... ...and she would have preferred to do... ...you know, if people wanted to see her naked... ...she would have preferred that it was on her terms... ...and that she did it sort of artistically somehow. These were just like her stripping off and looking like a tart.
1: That's right. (laughs) I mean, what... Look, they weren't that artistic... No, they he, he was a pretty bad photographer. Yeah. It was a pretty bad shot. There was a shot of Madonna crouched down on her knees with a cat in between her yeah. legs. Uh, for people that remember. What about the one? It was just the b- worst fucking photographer ever. What about the one ever. with the
0: ping pong balls and the snake? Oh. Oh, no.
1: yeah. I wish it was that creative, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was not that creative. So, And it was also the start of her career where we actually saw her perform live. Yeah. So she was going to go out and she was going to say something about this because that's what Madonna's like. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. You know.
1: But what I love about this is Bat Midler comes out and she had this huge poem. She got up, got herself up from the bra straps she and all that sort of stuff. Pulled herself up which by the bra remember. straps, yeah. Yeah, pulled, pulled herself up from her bra straps. She's great, she's my daughter. And then Madonna came out. I got so excited watching this because I was obviously fourteen, fifteen, and this is the first time we see Madge and she looks nothing like we think she does. Yeah, looks.
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: She comes out in a short bob reddish brown haircut yep. when she was blonde. Yeah. She's wearing almost like a prince outfit of a long trench jacket with like uh, flowered pants and sort of little shoes and it was just a different look. She was so good at Retraining your brain to what you thought you knew about but it. But she
0: did that on purpose because the very first thing yeah. she said when she walked out was like, uh, I, "I am taking a thing off today," and she was she was done yeah. right up, like the shirt was buttoned right to the top collar. She had a jacket on, you know. It, she didn't do her usual moves. Like she had reinvented herself. She had she had gotten ahead of the public's perception of her as you know, being uh, a tart. And, um, you know, she was she was dressed up very conservatively. And she looked great. And her voice sounded great. She sounded incredible.
1: Yeah. That fashion of the flowered pants was very big in Portman's around that time. Like if yes. you went into Portman's, that was the whole look that was really yeah. big at the time yeah. as well. It was sort of Prince meets Sports Girl. It was quite... Interesting, that That's look.
0: right. Awesome. Now, lovely, lovely Madonna went and did Holiday. She mm. did Into the Groove. Was that a new song for her at that time?
1: No, we'd heard that. Right. That was 1985, so we'd we just got Into the Groove, actually. I don't think it was – I think it was – we know when Into the Groove came out because Angel was the B song. That's right. I'm pretty sure it was August. Yeah, yeah. It would have been very close to when she did Live Aid. Right. What? But then she did, when she did Live Aid, it would have just this. been released not long before. Yeah. yeah. So
0: it was a new song. It
1: wasn't long. It was a new right. song. there we go. Absolutely. So
0: uh, Holiday was, you know, one of her first tracks. And she, um, she did Into the Groove. And then she did Love Makes the World Go Round with the Thompson Twins and Nile Rogers.
1: Which we hadn't heard. That was the new one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because we ha- we didn't have True Blue out yet.
0: That's right.
1: I don't think True Blue was out as yet. Yeah. Or it was out and I hadn't had this record. But Love Makes the World Go Round, we had not heard. And the Thompson Twins was a surprise because where was the link in that? That was the weird Yeah,
0: interesting. Thing. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. Yeah.
1: She might have just gotten along well with well, them. She
0: would then later join them their set but um yeah i I can't work out them in particular although um i mean she she is known for doing lots of collabs now but yeah i don't know i don't know yeah so look after madonna did a great job she sounded great she danced her ass off um and but apparently apparently she was quite deaverish behind the scenes she uh she walked into this <laughs> She walked into this area where there are all these artists, you know, like a green room area, and the security came in um, and there was sort of like a bank of portaloos and the security walked in and said, like, okay, everybody's got to get out of this area. And they were like, what? No. And um, they were like, no, you've got to move, you've got to move. And they were like, we're not going, we're not moving. And then sort of they gave up. And then Madonna just walked in um, and walked into one of the portals. She wanted some privacy because she needed to go to the toilet. And the whole time, because she had made a such, such a big deal out of it, um, all these, like, immature fucking musos <laughs> were sitting in the green area, green room area, like, going... <laughs> Like the the whole time, Madonna's in there going to the fucking toilet, and so like you could just hear she she would have just been able to hear them piercing themselves laughing.
1: Fucking Fuck, hell! I love poor Magic. God,
0: that makes me laugh. So after Magic,
1: maggie wasn't the most loved.
0: No, no, she she had a reputation got, for I'm being rude. You know, I wonder. I I just wonder if it mm. would have been if she would have been perceived the same if she was a dude, if they would have thought she was rude if she was a yeah, dude. Yeah, that's you know. what I was
1: just about to say. Yeah. It was at a time where women were really testing the waters, you yeah,
0: know. Yeah, that's right.
1: And it's interesting that Bet Midler brings her on because she would have been one of the first women to really fucking tell a guy where to See, go. See, funnily you know. enough, I felt so. that
0: Bet had a bit of suppressed envy towards Madonna and Bet, Bet has said things over the years that, just just sort of like stomping on Madonna's buzz a little bit and and like you know a few sort of big groundbreakers like Cher and stuff like that you know they they um yeah weren't Madonna's hugest fan you know they were quite critical of her
1: because they think that They're better singers and, I mean, Bette Midler is a better singer but she's less interesting and what people don't realise is it's not about how great you sing, it's how interesting you are, you know. Yeah. Um, There is a preconception that if you're a great singer, you're going to be this amazing artist but as an artist, I'd rather watch Madonna than fucking Bette Midler. But I love Bette Midler but in that pocket. You know
0: what, I'm not into Bette Midler's singing voice one bit, one bit. I know she's fabulous You
1: are in my shadow. Oh, it's
0: just, yeah, I don't. I'm, yeah, I'm not. Do
1: you ever watch thing. Beaches when it's replayed on the TV? I'm
0: sorry to break everyone's heart but I can't stand it. Right. Mika loves it. Is, it.
1: Oh, really? There you yeah,
0: go. Yeah, It is
1: the fucking worst movie
0: you <laughs> could ever watch. I'm so glad you because, said
1: that. No, because it makes you cry whether you've got an issue with yourself or not. You know what I mean? It's so you could sit here and you just start thinking about shit that's gonna go wrong, and then this movie comes on and it's like whack.
0: Hey, I'm really a sook. full on. I'm a sook with movies, mate. It, I cry in the fucking Gillette ads. <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not beaches. It's, it didn't. Yeah, I, it didn't. It didn't sort of grab me. You know. Yeah. Maybe it's a chicks movie.
1: Yeah, it, it, oh, maybe. I don't
0: know. Who knows? Anyway, beaches, meaches. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, they sang American Girl, The Waiting, Rebels and Refugee. Love Tom Refugee. Petty. Yeah.
1: Love it. Yeah.
0: Then you had our old mate Kenny Loggins. Kenny just had the one song. Kenny did Footloose. Footloose. Teddy? Mums Juice. Footloose. Fuck. That's a that's an old favourite of ours. Uh, then you had the cars. Now that we mentioned the cars just before, they had this song "Drive" as part of you know the soundtrack to mm. that uh, to the the clip that Geldof played. Cars played. You might think they played "Drive," they played "Just What I Needed," and they played "Heartbeat City."
1: Big band for America. The cars. So not surprised that they had four tracks.
0: Yes, no, know? that's right. They're a big
1: American band, a staple band that people Mm. just loved in America. And it's so sad to think because we did a show when he died, Rick Kosek, that day that he died we did a show. And it's really sad to know that a lot of these people that performed in Live Aid aren't around anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot. A lot of them aren't around anymore. They're just not around. No.
1: Which is so sad because – like even I was watching We Are the World today and Band-Aid and I thought we're never gonna see this many superstars in the one room no. because we don't create superstars no, anymore. No, we
0: don't. No, we don't. No, no. We're more interested in um hits making on YouTube. Boring, boring people famous these days than people yeah. that are talented or have something interesting to say or do. You know, like that's right,
1: and reality TV and
0: Whoever's yeah. won
1: the latest competition, and they've not—they don't—they just don't have star quality.
0: Yeah, influences. Yeah, influences. You know, um, then we had Neil Young with Sugar Mountain, The Needle and the Damage Done, Helpless, Nothing's Perfect, <laughs> and and Powderfinger. He did a lot. Yes, Neil yes, Young. He did. Well, he was yes, an he icon. Did. That's right, and it was
1: dinner time. It was six oh seven p.m. So maybe the fucking canteen had been smashed at this time, and everyone wanted some dinner. <laughs> <laughs> just put Neil on while we have our fucking yeah. Neil, just keep playing. We're listening. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then we had our mates' power station. Power station, of course, being half of Duran Duran. The interesting half. Oh, I didn't say it. Um, well, and, and they, they were fighting at this time. They were. They were fighting. They didn't play with Old Mate. They didn't play with Robert Palmer, did they?
1: No, they didn't because he didn't want to do it. Who sang so with they, them? Um, Another dude, and I cannot remember who it is, but you know how we said – Old mate didn't really want to be a part of the band. He just wanted to do a song or two. He just wanted to do that album, and, yeah. Yeah, and then he did the album and I think he just got over it. I, I reckon Addicted to Love and Shit might have been out at this time.
0: Okay, right. So he was, yeah, wanting to reestablish as a soloist I think I,
1: It could have been, I don't, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah.
1: But 85 um, was his big solo thing, you know.
0: Now they did um, Murderess, which I'm not. Entirely familiar with, and they did get it on, which I absolutely love. Um, straight after power station, yeah, had Thompson Twins. Thompson Twins with Madonna Steve Stevens and Niall Rogers, Steve Stevens being Billy Idol's um, guitarist. Yeah, they did Hold Me Now, beautiful song, and, and they did Revolution. Now Revolution is the one that they did with Madge and Steve and Nile.
1: They only do the two songs. Yeah. Because oh. yeah. he doesn't go out with the other dudes anymore. Phil, it, it's Bailey on his own. Like the Thompson Twins are doing a big tour of the UK just like after ISO yeah. next year. And it's just Bailey that goes out now. I don't well, know. Because he was married. They can't to call the
0: themselves twins then. And I mean, I know it's stupid because there was three of them anyway.
1: I think it's... They call it Tom Bailey. Oh, maybe they don't call it the Thompson Twins, but I thought he was married to the blonde chick. Right. Um, her name was, was Tom Bailey and, oh, I can't remember a name.
0: Oh, this is a good bit, isn't it?
1: Because they lived in New Zealand and they were married, but I don't think they're married anymore. I haven't heard because they right. quit quite quiet. Thompson Twins is a trio though, yeah. well, even though they were called the Thompson Twins. We're a fucking great band.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I love them. All right. So nice. after the Tomos, you had Eric Clapton with White Room, mm-hmm. She's Waiting and Layla.
1: Not an Eric Clapton fan. Wasn't it the nanny that let the kid out of the window or left the kid open? The window open. Yeah, let's you... blame
0: her. Yeah, it
1: was the let's nanny. Let's blame
0: her. Horrible, yeah. though. Yes, yeah, wasn't Eric's fault at all. Then we had our old mate Phil Collins. As we mentioned, Phil did one of the coolest things he's ever done in his life, which was perform in the UK at Wembley. Got a helicopter to the Heathrow Airport. Got the Concorde to the USA. And then he got a uh, 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 helicopter to JFK Stadium. On the way there, of course, he met Cher. Cher joined him. Pretty good, not bad. Phil Wait, Collins. He did. He did against all odds. Take a look at me now. And he did uh, in the air tonight. Ooh, he did the air Tonight. Ones. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. He didn't. He didn't. You know, finger out the murderer in the crowd. Although he probably fingered Cher out on the Concorde. <laughs>
1: Oh, you'd want to hope so.
0: Yeah. Well, God, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? You can't be so, famous
1: and get nothing.
0: Yeah. Now, Phil, Phil, closely followed by the second coolest thing that Phil's ever done, although didn't turn out very well for him. Led Zeppelin. This was seen as a Led Zeppelin reunion. It wasn't. It wasn't quite a reunion. Um, Although it was the first time in a long time that the, you know, the remaining ones had played together, or at least the ones that played this show. um, Phil would play drums for them. So Phil would do his own set. He would then play drums for for Zeppelin. They were incredibly frosty towards him. Uh, they were not inviting he said um, you know he was quite excited as you would be I like, fuck you know like I remember I remember being asked if I could if I could be in a band any band in history when they were in their in their sort of hot period who would I be and it was actually my answer was Led Zeppelin I just think like when they were hot like you know when they were, when they were their hottest, I just loved everything about them in that period. I think their their life and their just their story would have been incredible. It would have been incredible to be one of them in that time. So, so um, uh yeah. I mean, anybody would have been excited about playing drums for Zeppelin. I don't
1: think they thought Phil could cut it though. This was the thing they were worried about because he the was Phil is, Collins. The thing is,
0: though, he walked but into the room. he's a fucking
1: great drummer.
0: He walked into the room and they weren't talking to each other. They, like, the there was no vibe. They, they weren't fucking talking to each other. And they were sort of auditioning him on the spot. And sort of, okay, how does this, you know, how does the start of um, um, Whole Little Love go? And he sort of, oh, oh, what? Okay, so he started sort of miming it. And they were like, no. No, that's not how it goes, you know, like <laughs> they, they were like cunts. T-
1: yeah, but they were wrong though.
0: <laughs> what do you Phil mean?
1: Collins actu- the Phil Collins actually had it down to a yeah, T. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they were absolutely. lying to
1: him and saying that's not how it goes because as all bands, when they go along and do their, their songs for so many years yeah. and they're so fucking off their nut, the form of the song does change a lot. So when you do get a new feeling... There's stuff that you think isn't in the track that actually is. And I notice that when we get fill-ins for our band. Everyone (laughs) does the song different because it's like that song, that part is in there and we've forgotten about it. So I think there would have been a bit of that and also Phil Collins being the daggy one, they would have just wanted to be rock and roll with him. But they loved him after they finished the set, didn't they?
0: No. God, no. They, no. They um, they thought their performance was completely substandard. They hated it, and they blamed him. They they uh, they um they actually tried to block it from being um, aired, and they they tried they tried to uh, get it blocked for many many years. Like in in sort of um, you know video footage of of this concert, they tried to get it blocked legally for many, many years and they just couldn't. Um, and they blamed Phil for it being shit. They, they all hated each other and they hated being there. They shouldn't have done it. You know? Their heart no, wasn't in the right place. I haven't heard that
1: story. I haven't heard that story. No. I thought they really appreciated him and everyone had drinks and fucking no. got drunk.
0: No, no. no. Wow. They, blamed, they blamed him. They blamed him but for the being shit. But do you remember shit.
1: seeing it? I think he played really, really fucking well. If they well did, he everyone loved it. Yeah.
0: Everyone loved like, it, but they hated it. They hated it.
1: That's what I mean. They don't yeah. know the form anymore. They're so fucking old and drunk that the form would have been different and they would have gone, it doesn't feel right, you know, when it was probably on the money. Phil yeah. Collins, as much as I don't like him, as a drummer, he is fucking 100% oh, yeah. locked in.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, he's he's um, almost mathematical. You, you know, like he's he's, he's like a, uh, you know, he's, he's right on the beat.
1: And he's got feel. I actually saw an interview with Phil Collins. I'll try and find it. And he told it. Maybe he did tell that story, but I don't remember it.
0: Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, Yeah, so there you go.
1: That's pretty uh, shit if they did
0: that. Now then, after Zeppelin, you had Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So we had Crosby, Stills and Nash before. Now you had Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young doing uh, Only Love Can Break Your Heart and Daylight Again into Find the Cost of Freedom. After those guys who, whom I know nothing about and, you know, I'm probably not going to read up about them either. Haven't I'm we done Crosby, Stills and Nash? Yeah, as I said, they were in previously And they've jumped back and done a couple more songs. They did – I'm not sure if they needed to fill in or something, but they had Young with them as well. Paul
1: Young. Oh, no, not Paul Young. Neil Young.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, why that happened. But then you had, of course, Duran Duran. Now, a bit of a story with this one, wasn't there? Duran Duran did A View to a Kill and they did Union of the Snake. The now, you know how we were talking about Queen when um, Freddie Mercury was doing... Hey, oh, hey, oh, that was known as the note heard around the world. Yeah? That that was called... Uh, uh, famously referred to as the note heard around the world. In Duran Duran's set... Simon Le Bon's voice slipped, and it kind of—he he, said it sort of slipped up into his falsetto, and it famously got called the bum note that was heard around the world. And you can actually see the other members of Duran Duran rolling their eyes on stage when he fucking dodges that—that that, um, dodges that note up, and it's a real shame because. Um, this would be one of their last performances together as a five piece, wouldn't it? Was this their last one?
1: Well, they got together eventually again, but
0: but it would the, have been for you know a while. that or, that original that original lineup though, you know, but before they went their separate ways for a while.
1: Well, yeah, it would have been ten years before they got back together again. Yeah, ten or yeah. fifteen.
0: Yeah, it was ten. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I've got. I think that when. Um, Simon would have been quite nervous working with them all again.
0: Yeah, And that yeah.
1: can really close your throat up Yeah, to feel pressured into, you know someone wants you to fuck up anyway and you're yeah. just not getting along. And that stuff can happen.
0: Well, they were off doing their separate projects and, um, and, you know, half of them were looking like Power Station and the other half were looking like bloody... Uh, what were they called? Arcadia. Arcadia. Yeah. Yeah. Arcadia were all sort of black. You know, they were they were quite quite dark. Their look and Power Station were kind of rocky. They they both had completely different looks, and it, it was you know for, for the people watching in the crowd, it would have been like watching a band splitting up right in front of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's right. They all had jet
1: black hair and then fucking rock look.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I so personally they- knew that the Power Station. Wasn't going to be around for very long.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, and that
1: that was going to sort of finish mm. because when we saw the power station at Live Aid, and you know the boys were in it, but when you start a band with a cover, it gets a little bit.
0: Yeah, is this going to really happen? Yeah, it's just a project. Whereas Where I Arcadia, really liked Arcadia was.
1: <laughs> I love Arcadia, and
0: yeah.
1: then they probably weren't around even as long as. Well, they probably had the same length, really, the power station in Arcadia. But Arcadia was more like Duran Duran, you know.
0: One of my first viny- vinyls that I was ever given was um, uh, Arcadia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when, when I got it, I was just like, you, you know, yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So Duran Duran did Save a Prayer and they finished with the Reflex. So we're getting to what the point end. What was the
1: song he fucked the note on? I think was it, it Union of the Snake?
0: Um, a View to a Kill. It was the first song. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. Anyway, Poor so Simon. then after Duran you had Patti LaBelle. Love it. It's a, a weird follow-up, isn't it? She would have done
1: she, New Attitude.
0: She sure did. That was her first one. New Attitude.
1: Mm-mm-mm. Yeah.
0: She did Imagine. She did Forever Young. Stir It Up, Over the Rainbow. And Why Can't I Get a... What? Why can't, why can't I get over it? It's a lot of songs. It's a lot of songs. Get it over. Why can't I get it over? Do you know that song?
1: Why can't I get it over is what I usually say when I can't lift my leg at this age anymore to get over someone's ass. <laughs> why can't I get it over?
0: That's, That's what, what I say when I can't get with. a root. Oh, why can't? And I'm talking <laughs> about my leg. Why can't I get it over? Why can't I get a leg over?
1: wonder why Is she kind of – I don't really yeah. know much about Patti LaBelle. New Attitude was obviously huge with Beverly Hills Cop.
0: But yes. I don't
1: know that much about her. I didn't look into it, but I loved her cowboy hairstyle.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Cowboy yep. hat hairstyle. Yeah. All right, so then we had Hall and Oates. Do you like Hall and Oates? Love them. Yeah. Uh, Love Hall and Oates. Yes. They did Out of Touch –
1: Love Out a touch.
0: They did Man Eater, mm-hmm. Oh, here she the comes. Shark. The song about the shark. They said Get Ready with uh, Eddie Kendricks, not Anna Kendrick, okay. but Eddie Kendricks.
1: Oh, Anna wouldn't even have been fucking conceived. She, at she this wouldn't time. have
0: even been a dirty thought in her father's mind. That, yeah,
1: that's right.
0: They did Ain't Too Proud to Beg mm, with um, David Ruffin. It was roughing them up. Uh, They did The Way You Do The Things You Do and they did My Girl with Eddie Kendricks and David Ruffin.
1: So they're starting to mix the people here a bit more. They must have been running out of acts.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really think they were sort of tumbling. Yellow. oh, fuck. You can imagine there was probably, look, this is probably where Michael Jackson was meant to go. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah,
0: Um, yeah. So there you go. So then, straight after them, you had Mick Jagger. Now this was huge. This was huge, and this was um, it was nice that they had such a big UK artist, sort of, uh, you know this this close to the pointy end. Really, I mean, yeah, he he, uh, I guess he was the biggest star in this area. Mick, Mick did um, Mick did Lonely at the top, just another night, miss you. State of Shock. Now, State of Shock, something tells me that the Hall and Oates set was meant to be Michael Jackson or he was meant to appear somewhere around this period because State of Shock, of course, is that duet that Mick does with Michael Jackson.
1: That's right. Instead of
0: Mick, they got Tina Turner. Good old Tina. Now, Tina.
1: But did they do that song still?
0: State of Shock, they did. State of Shock. Oh, okay, great. How bizarre. Yeah. So now Tina is one of the rare cases of one of the artists that did the song and would then go on to do the live show. You know, she was in We're We're the World. Here she is at um, Live Aid as well.
1: Paul and Oates were two.
0: Paul and Oates were two, yeah. There weren't many others. There we go. Kenny Loggins was there? Yeah. Would you like... Um, see you. Yeah. There you go. There's a couple. All right. So um, after Mick Jagger, you had Bob Dylan, Keith Richard and Ronnie Wood. They did this, you know, they did this um, little set together and it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, they did Ballad of Hollis Brown when the ship comes in and they did Blowing in the Wind. Now... I think fuck, it um, got boring. Dylan's no, but uh, Bob Dylan, a uh, string on Dylan's uh, guitar broke, and fuck, he was just about to play the next bit. So really quickly. Ronnie Wood quickly just handed him his guitar so so that he could play his part, so that Bob Dylan could play his heart. Now fucking Ronnie Wood's waiting for the waiting for the guitar tech to um, bring him out another guitar or at least restring Dylan's or something, you know, to to hand it to him. And so Ronnie Wood's like standing on the stage and he just started playing fucking air guitar. <laughs> He started playing fucking air guitar and it was so cool. He did a really – it was like the coolest fucking air guitar that you've ever seen. You know when some people do air guitar and they just look like a fucking spastic? Um, It's like, yeah, you haven't held guitar in a while. Do you know there
1: used to be air guitar competitions? Yeah. Like Victorian, Australian, the world competitions.
0: They still have them in Werribee.
1: Do they? (laughs) (laughs) I might go and join it because I've always (laughs) – I did one with my mate Billy, and I was called Fist Your Sister, Far and I came out. out and did Billy Squire's
0: The Stroke. Ah, awesome!
1: Everybody, I fucking love those competitions.
0: I'm I'm just yeah, thinking guitar of guitar comps. Just thinking of what I would do. I'd probably do like Mama Said by Lenny Kravitz. You know, slash ding 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 yeah ding, ding, ding Lenny something like that. Yeah. 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 So they played an awesome set and we're here at the pointy and Dylan, Keith and Ronnie Wood uh, would pro- would be the last act before USA for Africa would come on. So similar thing as what happened across the ditch. They got all the artists that had played that day on stage to sing We
1: are the world, we are the Yeah, children. well that's why they're starting to line them up at the end here with the Dylan... And the, and the Hall and of Notes and, and that's all right. The, we are the me world people. Can I just ask why the no. fuck didn't Keith Richard and Ron Wood play with Mick Jagger?
0: Uh, Mick had a um, Mick had a, a solo album out at the time, didn't he? Okay, it, it was How that was awful eighties period. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And that brings me to another episode that we're gonna do. We're gonna do. <laughs> we're gonna do. Um, um, bands That was shit in the 80s So like big band Big well known bands That their Their collection From the 80s Was crap But the You know Everything else yeah. was good They right. did, You know And a great example yeah. Is Rolling Stones Their fucking Their releases in the 80s Were awful Awful Yeah, yeah. He didn't agree with them yeah.
1: the I don't mind Start you up Start it up Oh Yeah
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I didn't mind that record. Yeah. They started great in 1980. They started great and then it sort of went a bit pear-shaped. It's
0: an awful album but where they've all got like fucking fluoro jackets on the cover. It's really, really bad. I can't remember it. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, jeez, what a stinker. I don't know. Um, all right, so something interesting. Cher, because Cher had yep. um, come in on the Concord. She was yes. up there singing with... USA for Africa. Wow. Yeah. She should have done this. She had no idea. Apparently, it was all going on. So there you go.
1: I think they really picked their artists with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. I think they really. I don't think it was who wants to do it. It was you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And they really went for the top quality vocal.
0: Yeah. Local yeah, who I mean it was quite interesting. Who would know when you had that dickhead um, what was his name? Bill um, Bill? Bill Graham, the promoter, just like trying to fuck things. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of them half of the good ones probably just didn't want to work with him.
1: Well they only had forty five sort of acts in We Other World, so I guess you'd fucking have to be a bit picky, wouldn't you? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: But I love seeing Steve Perry there. Um, you know, a lot of artists that Australians, and we didn't know who they were. James Ingram, not many people know who, who he is. Yeah. Um, and Kenny Rogers was huge because they'd had Island in the Streams with Dolly, but even Dolly wasn't there, you know, so they really picked. They didn't have a lot of country artists, did they? Just Kenny. Yeah. Just Kenny Logan, That Kenny Rogers. And Kenny's fucking good in that track.
0: He's really good. I reckon we're at the end of the show, baby. Don't you?
1: We are. Yeah. It feels like a Saturday today. It
0: does, yeah. We're doing... Not a
1: bloody Friday. We're doing things a
0: little differently today. Um, And, of course, the show comes out on a Thursday, but we often pre-record. And we were hoping to... Do these two episodes back to back with Live Aid, uh, but we had our birthday in between, which was um, quite yeah. a present little, well, little interruption. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, and thanks for, to everyone for joining us on that episode. It was so much fun, and coordinating it all. And Maddie did an incredible job editing that show. Sure did. It's probably not one of the longest, not, not one of the longest shows he's done, but. It was actually Live Aid probably was the longest show he did. Um, it was just put together so well and everyone had a ball. Yeah, yeah. Loved it.
0: Absolutely. Good on you, Maddie. Thank you again. Our man behind the bar, Maddie Slade. Um, what a team, eh? One year and going strong.
1: And we got to thank Sammy Neal for upping her patron today. Yeah. From $5 to $10. Good on you, Sammy. Good on
0: you, Sammy. All Sammys are awesome, aren't everyone they?
1: Knows, everyone knows who Sammy yeah, is now. Yeah,
0: Fantastic. Good on you. Now, if you guys out there aren't yet Patreon, uh, Patreons, please go to our Patreon site. You can find a link to our Patreon page on our website, which is the80smontage.com. Um, Please become a Patreon. It's easy to follow us, guys. If you love the show, jump on board. You can do it for as little as $1 a month. Uh, And, you Mm. know, you can feel like you're part of history as this this juggernaut grows bigger and bigger, this juggernaut being the 80s montage. Uh, If you become a Patreon for $10 a month, you get extra episodes. So often after we record... um, uh, a weekly episode, we will even get more drunk and film something, com- yes. <laughs> record something completely fucking stupid. And that's what our that's Patreons right. get to hear. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's another side of us that's quite interesting. Um, so, jump on board $10 a month and they're all yours, baby.
1: That's right, Again, get an extra episode. Yeah.
0: Make sure when you're listening to the show that you hang around by some. Becoming a subscriber that you like, share, review, and subscribe. Please make sure you give us five stars. I'm gonna write a song called Five Stars. Five stars. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well not many people do give us any other give us any less stars and we don't want to put that in their head. Five stars or nothing. Five
0: stars or nothing. Don't even fucking worry about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because yeah. the stars are what matter. Yeah.
0: And a lovely review, you know, a lovely review. Tell us what you think of the show. Tell us to go and get stuffed if you want. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, tell us about your 80s experiences. Do it in the review section. You know, write a little comment there and tell us about your memory of the 80s. We want to we hear about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And if you have any ideas for shows, you can message the website, the 80 and we can get your ideas for shows, which are always a good yeah, thing.
0: Absolutely.
1: And Kim Wilde and Pat Benatar, we're still voting on those two. We've got three weeks left That's on right. that. Kim and it looks Pat. really, really it close. Is. It is.
0: Yeah. yeah. We Very might be close. doing Kim Pat. Who knows? Kim yeah. Pat.
1: They were both great. They were both yeah, great. Yeah. Didn't see any of them at Live Aid, that's did we? That's right. That's an interesting Very issue. Very
0: much so, yeah. Mm. All right, guys, that's our big episode, Live Aid. How incredible. Took two episodes to talk Woo-hoo. about it. Hope you've enjoyed it. Good on ya. Now, if it's music mateys, mateys or the cool shit, shit from, from, the, from 80s, the 80s, we're going to talk about it. Unreal. Unreal.